Comrades, I want to welcome you to the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. Tonight, we're going to begin our study on the Constitution of the Party of Communist USA. We are skipping the preamble, and we are going to begin our study. For these purposes, the Party of Communist USA is constituted and establishes the basic rules of its organization in the following Constitution. Article 1. Name. The organization shall be known as Party of Communists of the United States of America, PCUSA. Article 2. Purpose. To build the militant workers' movement by establishing the PCUSA as the Revolutionary Workers' Vanguard Party, firmly rooted in the scientific principles of Marxism-Leninism and the principled defense of the 20th century Soviet experience through the implementation of class struggle strategies and tactics. The role of the party is central to anti-racist, anti-monopoly, anti-imperial, political independence from the bourgeois parties of monopoly capital in our country. Our purpose is to promote international working class solidarity with the world communist movement through the science of dialectical and historical materialism known historically as Marxism-Leninism. Subsection A, Rationale and Program. Our goal is to build a socialist society that will advance towards a classless communist society, producing printed periodicals for organizing, educating, and agitation among the masses is the best way to establish the political leadership necessary to lead the working class. Directing the resources of our party towards building an educational center for Marxist studies and building Marxist-Leninist schools, opening bookstores with the goal of having a permanent organizing structure led by the PCUSA, is the best method of achieving our goal. Our program is to organize cadre through building local party clubs and a vigorous League of Young Communists, LYCUSA, the Party of Communist USA, PCUSA, and the League of Young Communists USA utilize the publication, The Communist Party Manual on Organization by J. Peters, 1935, as their organizational guide, and Joseph Stalin's Foundations of Leninism, 1924. The next section is the eight points of unity, which we are skipping today. And the section following is party structure questions or comments on the section that was just read. When we use the word vanguard, it's the word that Leonard would use. It's our goal. This is what we're aiming for. We're not aiming for anything other than that. Of course, the reality of the situation, it's going to take time to be the vanguard. But that's our position as opposed to other groups in the left that call themselves Marxists, like the Zapatista movement in Mexico. They are anti-vanguard publicly. We are structured as Lenin advises us to be structured to fight the bourgeoisie, and the vanguard is what we're striving for. Go on with the reading now. Subsection C, party structure. Party structure is as follows. One, National Congress. Two, Central Committee. 3. Politburo. Section 1. 
eight titled officers, four district organizers, and three at-large members of the Central Committee for a total of 15. Section 2. When the Central Committee, Politburo, or any party body, whether national, district, decides it is in the best interest of the organization to assign an additional party member to that party body, such comrade will be added to the party body by majority vote or unanimous consent, provided the party body retains its size as composed of an odd number of comrades. More than one comrade may be added to a party body at the same time. 4. Department A. Finance Department B. International Department C. Organizational Department D. Communications Department Within that department, there is the press, which is the worker, New Outlook Publishers, the Communists, Internet and Web Communications, Agitation and Propaganda. Then E, Education, F, Ideology. Party of Communist USA District. A, Eastern, B, Southern, C, Midwestern, D, Western Pacific. The Central Committee and the Politburo shall establish ad hoc commissions to carry out special areas of work. The following commissions are regularly functioning commissions of the PCUSA. Labor Commission, Peace and Solidarity Commission, Nationally Oppressed People's Commission, Women's Commission, LGBT Plus Commission, Environmental Commission, Religious Affairs Commission, Electoral and Legislative Action Commission, Health, Seniors, and Disabled Commission, Animal Rights Commission, League of Young Communists, USA. When this was written, it was before we had other commissions that were added. The Veterans Commission, the Agricultural Commission, or the National Farm Commission, whichever term you want to use, and the Civil Liberties Commission. Those three were not mentioned at the time. Can you get a brief description of the difference between the Central Committee and the Politburo? Everyone should think of a pyramid, the old-fashioned Egyptian pyramid. That'll explain the difference. At the base of the pyramid, the broadest part of the pyramid, are the cadre. Then as you're going up the pyramid, it gets narrower. The cadre elect, through their clubs, people they want to be on the Central Committee. The Central Committee could be anywhere between 40, 50, 60, 70 people, depending on the growth of the party. And then the Central Committee elects the PB, the Politburo, and that's 15 people. So you can see as you're going from the bottom of the pyramid up, it's getting narrower and narrower. So it's basically a representative form of governance. If you read the whole paragraph, it deals not just with the Central Committee and the Politburo, but any party body, which would include the club. In the last sentence of Article 2, Purpose, our purpose is to promote international working-class solidarity with the world communist movement through the science of dialectical and historical materialism, known historically as Marxism-Leninism. So I guess this is a question, just the differences between dialectical and historical materialism? Historical materialism, I think, also looks through the lens of it is not just big man theory that we should be looking at. 
It's not just Robespierre who set off the French Revolution. It's all of the causes surrounding that time period. And we need to look at the conditions throughout all of history and what has brought us to this point and why we are at this point, rather than just looking at, oh, it's because this person has done this. Historical materialism is the application of dialectical materialism from Stalin's essay, Dialectical and Historical Materialism. Dialectical materialism is the world outlook of the Marxist-Leninist party. It is called dialectical materialism because its approach to the phenomena of nature, its method of studying and apprehending them, is dialectical, while its interpretation of the phenomena of nature, its conception of these phenomena, its theory, is materialistic. Historical materialism is the extension of the principles of dialectical materialism to the study of social life and application of the principles of dialectical materialism to the phenomena of the life of society, to the study of society and of its history. That's the end of the quote. So the idea is looking at conditions of history, we can see that the mode of production dominates the evolution of history. Under communications department, it says that there is a publication called The Communist. I haven't heard of that, and I was wondering if that is an old publication or something that I'm just not aware of. The Communist comes out once a year. It used to be called Ideological Fightback. And if you look on our website, you should see past issues of Ideological Fightback. We had four or five issues starting in 2012, and then the TV officially changed the name back to what it was in the 1920s, which was called The Communist. And it is a theoretical magazine. It has theoretical articles in it, like what is market socialism? And it's written by not only party members here, but respected party members throughout the world. This constitution is not something that was haphazardly drawn up recently. The vast majority of the inspiration for the Constitution comes from what we would consider the old left, which existed before the new left in the 60s, the old left being the Communist Party, which split from the Socialist Party in the early 20th century. So this is very much a Constitution formulated around the structure of Marxist-Leninist parties in other countries. This is not something that was individualistically drawn up. Article 3, Membership, Section 1. Membership in the PCUSA is extended to applicants living in the United States who are 18 years of age or older that accept the statutes and program of the party and who accept the PCUSA's eight points of Marxist-Leninist unity. If a worker is less than 18 years of age and wants to join the League of Young Communists USA, and there is no League of Young Communists USA club in the town or factory nearest to where the comrade is located, the party club has the right to accept the comrade into the party club until, with the help of the party comrades, the comrade can build up a club of the LYC. Further conditions for membership in our party or youth league are contained in the following pledge. Quote, to create a better world. I now take my place in the ranks of the International Communist Movement and the Party of Communist USA, the party of the U.S. working class. I take this pledge to give the best that is in me to the service of my class. 
I pledge myself to spare no effort in uniting workers in militant struggle against war, racism, imperialism, and fascism. I pledge myself to work unsparingly in helping the organized labor movement in the shops, among the unemployed, to lead the struggles for the daily needs of the American working class, understanding fully that the class struggle is a central ingredient in solving the oppression of working people and the oppressed. I solemnly pledge to take my place in the forefront of the struggle for the rights of all nationally oppressed people against anti-Soviet sentiments and behavior, anti-communism, racism, misogyny, ageism, xenophobia, homophobia, transphobia, police brutality, discrimination against the disabled, and to struggle against the chauvinist lies of the capitalist class. I pledge myself to rally the U.S. working class to defend the ideals of the former Soviet Union and to support the former Soviet peoples in their struggle to reestablish the Soviet Union as a scientific socialist state. I pledge myself to consistently remain a vigilant and firm defender of the Leninist line of our party to ensure the establishment of scientific socialism in these United States, working to transfer power from the capitalist class to the working class. Our party application for membership carries this declaration. Quote, the undersigned declares their adherence to the statutes and program of the PCUSA, agrees to submit to the discipline of the PCUSA and to engage in its work, end quote. Based on this declaration, we hereby enumerate the conditions for party membership in the party in the following way. One, participation in an appropriate party-led organizational structure. Two, regular payment of membership dues. Three, participation in the decision-making process of democratic centralism. And four, adherence to the discipline of the party. Section two, subject to the provisions of this article, any member shall become ineligible for party membership who is a strike breaker, an agent provocateur, an informer, or one that allows substance abuse to interfere with their party work and their ability to interact with the party and its membership. The emphasis on uniting the workers in militant struggle. This is what separates us from other groups. The class struggle is so important. We must have this at the forefront. We've got to remember that our class, the working class, this is the most revolutionary class. This is a great example of how we followed the line of the old left and all the militant movements back then, and we carry that torch. It's the right way about the pledge itself, if this is something that was original to our party or if this pledge dates back to an older communist party. This dates back to 1935. That's where we got it from. The period of militant upheaval in the labor movement in the United States. So we took word by word, but we added a couple of new things. For example, they didn't talk about homosexuality at that time. It wasn't on the agenda. They didn't talk about transphobia. They didn't talk about any of that then, so we updated it. But 90% of it is from 1935. 
And I think it's really interesting to know that it passed through all these years and the original party that it came from, if they read that statement, they would not want to join that statement because they have changed dramatically, the old CPUSA. The structure today doesn't recognize those words. This is interesting that we're reading this now because we just went through a period when people did not listen to the leadership. They didn't trust the leadership. 90% of them were in the party for two, three, four, five months. Very short time in the party. Most of them were actually in a month or two. When they signed up with us, I think they really didn't know what they were doing. It says very clearly, the application for membership carries this declaration. The undersigned declares their adherence to the statutes, which means laws, and program of the party. Agrees to submit to the discipline of the party and to engage actively in its work. End quote. If people would have read that and they joined, they would know that you don't run in a period of a few months if there's anything that you have questions about. It says it very clear. Submit to the discipline of the party and adherence to the laws of the Constitution of the party. Back to the reading. Article 4, Rights and Duties of Members, Section 1. Every member of the party who is in good standing has the right and duty to participate in the making of its policies and in their execution and to participate in the elections of the party bodies to which they belong. A member has the right within the party organization to express openly and uphold their opinion or differences on any question, provided that the party organization has not adopted a decision. This may be accomplished in meetings of party organizations and in authorized publications. After a decision, a party member who disagrees has the right to appeal successively to the next higher body, including the National Congress. At the same time, every member has the duty to carry out the majority decision. Members may criticize the work of all leading committees and individual leaders, irrespective of the positions they hold, for violations of party policy, shortcomings, errors, or unbecoming conduct, provided this is done in appropriate party meetings, conferences, congresses, or other party bodies. An officer who interferes with the right of criticism shall be subject to discipline. Any member may address a question or statement to a leadership body through proper party channels. In the spirit of criticism and self-criticism, all intermediary bodies will forward such communications promptly. Leading departments or commissions must respond within a reasonable time. During pre-Congress discussion, members have the right and duty within party organization and publications designed for this purpose to discuss all PCUSA policies and tactics, and the right to criticize the work and composition of all leading commissions. Section 2. All comrades shall strive to attend all club meetings. Members shall continually strive to expand their political knowledge and their understanding of Marxism-Leninism, to take part in the discussion of party policy, to initiate activities, to work for the aims and policies of the party, 
and to seek to win new members to its ranks. They shall circulate and help improve party publications. All members shall circulate the press and make work with the press central to their mass activity. Each member shall practice criticism and self-criticism with the aim of improving the work of the party, its bodies, and his or her own activity, and shall fight against shortcomings, violations of democracy, unconstitutional procedure, and manifestations of bureaucracy. The Central Committee and leadership at all levels shall take the initiative and give the lead for the development of the fullest criticism and self-criticism regarding shortcomings and resolutely strive for their correction. The paragraph where it says each member shall practice criticism and self-criticism with the aim of improving the work of the party, its bodies, and their own activity and fight against all shortcomings. I'm currently reading the book Socialism Betrayed, which talks about the downfall of the Soviet Union, the role of Gorbachev, and the policies that he pursued. And one thing that the book notes that I thought was really interesting was that Gorbachev used criticism and self-criticism to actually take things away from the party. He used criticism and self-criticism to divert power away from the party. We need to be aware of what self-criticism and criticism actually entails, how it has been manipulated in the past, and how it should be utilized going forward because it can be used in an effective and in a productive way and it can also be used in a way that can be substituted to some extent for wrecking. It mentioned elements of bureaucracy or manifestations of that. I was wondering if someone could give a clear example of what a manifestation of bureaucracy looks like or what it would be like. Bureaucracy is a situation, if you've seen the movie Reds, about John Reed's trip to Russia, 1917 and after. Bureaucracy is when you do not take into consideration any human element. This is my understanding. So when Reed had to see his family, for whatever reason, Zinoviev, in the movie, and I've heard this, so it is part of the reality of the transcripts, Zinoviev criticized him, said that that's bourgeois to go be interested in what's going on with your family. And he put him down for that. He criticized him for that. To me, that's an example of bureaucracy, where you don't take into consideration individuality on any level, on any level. So on one hand, you have complete individuality running amok against the structure of the party. On the other hand, you go to the other extreme, and what do you have? The structure completely saying, no, we're not going to allow this because it's not in the structure, never. And that's the difference for me, for bureaucracy. But to answer the question, in my lifetime, the worst examples of criticism and self-criticism against the party was during the Cultural Revolution in China, the Red Guard period. That did more to destroy the party than anybody else did in China at the time. I'll leave it at that. Next section. It shall be the obligation of all party members to struggle for the unity and other needs of the working class against all forms of national oppression, national chauvinism, white supremacy, discrimination, and segregation against all anti-working class ideologies and practices. That encompasses bigotry, 
discrimination against oppressed nationalities, women, the LGBT plus community, and immigrants, as well as against white chauvinism and anti-Semitism. It shall be the duty of all party members to fight for the full social, political, and economic equality of black people and promote the unity of black and white as essential to the advancement of their common interests. It shall be the obligation of all party members to fight for the social, political, and economic equality for Chicanos, Puerto Ricans, Native American peoples, Asian Pacific peoples, other oppressed nationalities, and immigrants living in the United States. It shall be the obligation of all party members to struggle against all manifestations of male supremacy and discrimination against women, and to fight for the full social, political, and economic equality of women. All members of the party will make maximum effort to struggle against LGBT plus discrimination and prejudice, keeping in mind our party's history of struggle for LGBT plus rights and access to jobs and services afforded to other members of the working class that have been attained through years of class struggle. Section three. All leading commissions shall seek a maximum of consultation with other commissions. Party clubs and the members in the formation of policy and especially with those comrades directly involved. In the period between Congresses, the various party organizations from district committees to the central committee may organize delegated conferences to evaluate party work on a specific issue or to develop a position on new issues which may arise. Other forms of consultation may include a membership referendum. Section four, all party members who are eligible must belong to their respective trade unions. Section five, all party members working in mass organizations, trade unions, farm, community, fraternal, shall promote and strengthen the unity and leading role of the working class and the oppressed to fight for the unity and needs of the working class and its allies. Section six, all members who are eligible shall register to vote in elections for public office. Section seven, the party shall give full aid in the acquisition of United States citizenship to those of its members who have, because of unjust and undemocratic laws and practices, desire to become US citizens, but have been deprived of this right. The ones I wanna recommend I've done before in the past, Again, I urge you to get Crisis in the Socialist Party by William Z. Forster, written in 1936. Now, why am I recommending this? The first chapter says this, the failure of the Socialist Party and the reasons why. Just that chapter alone, if you take out the word socialist and you put the word communist party in there, you'll be shocked at the similarity. You'll be shocked. I was definitely shocked. I never read this book when I was in the Communist Party. I'm glad I had a chance to do it recently. It exposes what social democracy is and about those people who used to be Bolsheviks and how they no longer are Bolsheviks. And so if you read this book, it'll tell you what's going on in the CPUSA today. They're our biggest enemy because they still masquerade with the word communist, and people will begin to accept what their version of a communist is. And their version is nothing of what Lenin's version was. 
And that's why it's important that to understand who our main enemy is. People who will leave us may go to the old CP, and it's going from the frying pan right into the flames and fires of hell. That's how bad they have become. So that's a book I recommend, The Crisis in the Socialist Party by William Z. Forster, who was the General Secretary of the Communist Party for years, written in 1936. About criticism and self-criticism and its role in the party, a work by Stalin called On the Vulgarization of the Slogan of Self-Criticism, goes into some of these issues that the Bolsheviks encountered during Stalin's time. And as with many problems with organizing the working class, we're encountering again. I was wondering about an example of a member of the party who would not be in good standing. And when we refer to discipline, is this speaking of a removal from the party or there are other examples? Discipline is taken mainly in a sense the way Lenin presents it. Simple. Following the party. That's discipline. Think about it, the word. Look at the word in a dictionary. See what it says for the word discipline. If people are in not good standing, they haven't been to meetings, they have already cut themselves off in the party. So we can make it official that they're not in the party anymore. We've only expelled one person in our party so far, and that was two years ago, and that was it. Now people voluntarily leave, which is okay. It saves us the time from dealing with each person. The one who was expelled wanted to stay in the party. These people today, apparently, apparently, don't have any interest in staying in the party. Well, that's okay. Stalin's famous quote, leaders come and go, but the party remains. He's talking about people come and go and the people remain. So the party will continue. We may have a different name, may have a different color in the years from now. It's the same characteristic of what a party is. So that's what it means, discipline. And a lot of people do not have that. Let's be real and honest why this society is based on individualism, not on collectivism, and therefore discipline to a collective is not pushed by this society. I think this meeting tonight clarifies a lot of things that people did not know when they first joined the party. And that's why it's important. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Everyone have a safe evening and take care. Good night. Thank you for listening to this full-length class from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. Support us at newoutlookpublishers.net, join us on Discord, follow us on Twitter, and visit peopleschool.org to sign up for free classes.